Welcome to Business Talk Sister Talk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today we are going to interview our new friend, Alex Rumsey, about her photography. And she was introduced to us by our friend, Katie Allen, who we did an episode with a a little while back now. So the name of this episode is, drumroll please. I was expecting you to make a sound, but you did it. Anyway, (laughs) sorry about that. How to become a freelance photographer. So thank you so much for being being here with us today at Oh, good grief. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Alex. Uh, We're so stoked to talk with you. Our first question for you is, what do you do? My main job that I do during the week is a real estate photographer. And then on the side, I do other freelance photography with portraits or weddings and, um, or just my own fun artistic projects. Cool. Nice. That's awesome. All right. So the next question we have for you is why did you start doing it? Mostly because I have always really enjoyed being creative and uh, whether it was with drawing or leather work or painting, um, I always thought it'd be fun to be an artist, but I didn't really know how I could afford to be an artist, basically. Um, so I did a lot of other jobs like PCA work and cleaning houses. And then I was introduced to real estate photography, and it actually provided a way to be a photographer and make a living. And so I took that chance when I saw it. Nice. So you kind of had like the more artistic side and then this is like the practical where it enables you to get to do the artistic side as well. So you're getting to do kind of what you love on both sides. That's really cool. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the next question, and we're going to kind of waterfall into a whole bunch of other questions, but how do you do it? How do I do the real estate photography? Yeah. Let's start with that. Um, I work with a company that I'm a subcontractor for. And so they provide me with addresses of houses I'm going to go to and agents I'm going to meet. And then I go and take whatever package they ordered. And then I upload those photos to an editor and then they get delivered to the realtor. It's a very straightforward and formulaic type of photography. That's um, pretty nice. Nice. So it's kind of like, my my uh, math teacher used to always say plug and chug math, like you just plug in a formula and then you just go for it. So it's kind of like plug and chug photography. <laughs> for this type of photography, yes. There are, it's very like you get this shot in this type of room and you stand over in this corner for this type of room and you have your tripod at a certain level every time. So yes, it is very chug and plug. <laughs> so not a whole <laughs> lot of creativity in this aspect, but uh, because you're always interacting with new people and going to new houses it keeps it interesting i bet i have so many questions about the interesting people but i'm not going to ask that right now because (laughs) i know we'll go on a rabbit hole um my question is so how did you get like connected within real estate and and you thought yeah this is the opportunity i want to jump on but then like how have you used that as a platform for your other stuff as well as far as it being a platform, it mostly allows me the freedom to be creative without having to make a huge income off of it. Mm-hmm. And so um, they don't really have a lot to do with each other in my daily life, as, except for the fact that it allows me, um, like I said, the freedom to not have to make an income by selling art. And so I can just do it for the pure love of it. 
limits um, your risk, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. And then, um, what was the first part of your question? I'm sorry. No, that's okay. The first part was, uh, how did you get involved in the real estate side? And oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Well, um, I actually moved down to Virginia with my then husband at the time, and we moved there for his job, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Back home, I was doing house cleaning, and I really didn't want to keep doing that. Um, so I applied for a bunch of jobs and wasn't really finding anything. And then our realtor actually suggested that I talk to her real estate photographer. And I didn't really know that was a thing. Uh, but I went and talked to him and he was just getting ready to expand his business. He was kind of doing all he could by himself and needed some help. So he trained me on the job and then, um, that's how I got started with it. And then when I moved back to Minnesota, I just happened to find another company that had a very similar model and style of real estate photography that I was able to interview with. And it's been a really good transition. Yeah. So when you first started out, how much did you invest in yourself and the equipment that you started off with? Like financially, was it a big burden or was it just kind of, how much was it? <laughs> what did that it look like? A, it was a really slow build. When I first decided I wanted to try and be a photographer, I was like 16 and went on a mission trip with my cousin and he had a nice DSLR and I was like, oh, having control over aperture and, and shutter speed really makes a really big difference. So I bought just like a super starter uh, beginning model DSLR, which was a Rebel... I want to say it was a Canon Rebel XSI, I think. Uh, and then just like one cheapo 50 millimeter lens. And then as I've learned more and branched out some, my expenses. So the first camera was probably like five or $800 or something. But now with all the equipment I have, because I have a drone and a handful of lenses. I've changed. I've changed and upgraded my camera body several times. I probably have uh, five thousand dollars worth of equipment or so, nice. which I think is kind of on the low end for a lot of photographers. Yeah. Wow. So okay, I'm a little interested. I'm going to get off topic, but this, <laughs> I feel like it's important. Tell us about this drone. I know mm-hmm. I've heard a little bit about drones and and all of that, but I I feel like there's some licensing or whatever for commercial and I didn't know what what all that looks like and and why did you decide that, yes, this is a good investment for my business? Yeah, well, I actually sat down with my, the owner of the company I work for and I was like, I really like what I'm doing, but I really want to earn some more income. What what can I do that would help me earn more when I do these real estate photos? And at the time, there was, it was kind of either invest in a drone so I could do the real estate photography or invest in what's called a Matterport camera that does a 3D scan of the interior of a home. Uh, Both would have been pretty expensive to buy the equipment, but there's more demand for aerial photography. And so that's the route I decided to go. And yes, to do commercial photography, you have to be certified with the FFA to get a part 107 drone license. And so you have to study for this test. That's a portion of a test that if someone were to become a pilot that they have to, um, they have to do the same chunk. Uh, and so a lot of the questions have absolutely nothing to do with flying a drone. They really don't test you on flying a drone at all. 
you learn about wedding weather patterns and you learn about um, uh, airspace, like flying over airports and uh, what to do if you're hyperventilating. Like it's it's rather unrelated, but that's oh, useful. <laughs> I know that's the qualifications they have you do, and you have to renew that portion every two years and I am just about to have to renew so I have to start studying again because it's a rather extensive test yeah boom well I am excited about that because that just tells us a lot about how you diversified your business to grow Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and I I love that because not a lot of people think about that and and I love that you also thought about the process of data and saying there's more demand for this so this is what I'm going to do yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, and there is a really big demand for aerial photography, and it's really fun. Uh, it's um, really fun to. One time, I was photographing a what was it? Not a charter school, some sort of private school. They were they wanted some promotional video, so I was there for a whole day getting different shots of the school grounds, and all like a whole classroom of first graders saw me flying the drone and I was a celebrity for five minutes because they're like she's flying the drone and like gathered around as it landed and I felt like I was the Wizard of Oz landing among the mushrooms (laughs) it was a beautiful moment that's awesome wow okay so you love flying drones and you had mentioned when you and I kind of talked on the phone that you would much rather be doing real estate photography versus wedding photography so can you speak to that a little bit as we kind of discuss diversification Mm -hmm. um primarily I really like the schedule that real estate photography allows me because it's during the weekday during normal business hours Whereas weddings are every weekend and you go into the evening and I really like having my weekends open (laughs) so I can do stuff with people who also have normal jobs. (laughs) Uh, So that was my number one thing. And I think that at least the type of uh, wedding photography that I did a lot of was being a second shooter. So Mm. I would be more the assistant photographer just because I don't really care for the editing process. So I go there and shoot with a photographer give them my memory card. And then that's kind of my job for the day. But you're there from usually it's from like 10am or noon until like nine or 10pm. And I might get paid anywhere from 300 to $500 for a day. But with real estate photography, if it's a good day, I could make that same amount from between like nine to five. And then um, it's, I think it's just an easier process. Um, and more lucrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of tools do you think would you like say, yeah, these really have made it a lot easier for me, um, have increased my process speed and stuff. Do you have any uh, suggestions on that? I think getting, obviously having a, a laptop that can process your images quickly is huge. Um, investing in a good tripod is important for real estate photography. Also. Um, I think having, I mean, you do need a quality camera and lens, but there's lots of arguments over whether like Nikon or Canon are better. I shoot with a Fuji mirrorless camera. Uh, it's kind of personal preference, really. I tend to go with what is most compact and light because I like to travel. And so I want it to be easily packable. So that's kind of where I, what I look for in something. 
Good to know. So you've got like all these these different avenues that you kind of have been touching on over the years. But <laughs> so you and Becca and I were just well, Becca and I were just geeking out beforehand <laughs> when we were talking with you and looking at your Instagram and looking at your website and just like I love how you how you touched at the beginning on how um, you wanted to do kind of something more profitable with the real estate stuff so that it can fuel your passion of art. And we were looking at your art and it is so cool. So talk about that a little bit. How did you um, decide? I mean, like you said, when you were younger, you were kind of into that and like, and your cousin kind of introduced you into some photography, but how did you get into like the more, um, what did you call it? Uh, Conceptual photography. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, well, when I first got a camera and wanted to do photography I thought that I was like landscapes and animals that's the only thing I want to photograph but then I pretty quickly realized that shooting people is a lot of fun and actually Katie uh, we became friends around the time when I started learning how to use my camera so she was one of my number one models and I'd dress her up in like old bed sheets basically <laughs> and we'd go into the woods and try and create some sort of like fantasy effect which was fun and I learned a lot but then I got connected with a a group of photographers and models who would just meet in a park and hang out and shoot each other. And through them, I heard about the term conceptual photography, which basically you take a bunch of photos and manipulate those photos um, and to create surreal images um, that oftentimes are either sort of fantasy or whimsical. Sometimes they're dark and moody. So you're, instead of paint or pencils, you're using your pixels as the medium that you're moving around. Yeah. So cool. Oh my goodness. If you guys have not checked out her website, you need to do that. It's called thatsoriginal.net. And oh my goodness, there's such a variety mm-hmm. of photos and I, the Instagram, oh, I, I'm loving it. And Ruthie and I were just dying, right? Like right before we're like, I didn't even know this was here. This is amazing. Um, because the Thank whole you. concept of doing like the pieces with like helping people with their makeup and then doing that whole, like it literally looks like you, you are a designer and photographer for Game of Thrones. I'm like... <laughs> This is amazing. Or like um, the Hunger Games and stuff like that, like with all the cool, you know, like the Emperor, what is her name? Emperor something, something in the Hunger Games. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. They do all the cool makeup. That's, yeah, that's what I was thinking too, Becca. Yeah. And I was like, I need to do this with my entire family right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also, Instagram handle, alex.rumsey.com. R-U-M-S-E-Y dot 21 is her Mm -hmm. Instagram handle. So definitely check that out. Um, Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that process of of getting to this point where you're like, yeah, I'm going to do people's makeup and hair or whatever and add that together for those staged kind of photos like that. What what made you think this is the route that I want to go with my art? I think it was a lot of trial and error. I tried so many different mediums drawing, painting, sewing, leather work. And then when I figured out that this type of photography existed, it seemed like the perfect pairing of all the things I like to do. Cause I would kind of, I like to draw, but I was never super good at it, but I would sketch out an idea and then 
I like to sew, but I'm not very good at being technical. So I would just use fabric and like pin it on people because it doesn't need to be real. It just kind of needs to look real enough for the moment. <laughs> and then I had a bunch of super gorgeous, willing friends who just let me play dress up with them. Mm-hmm. And then I would give them an idea and then we'd go out and shoot it. And it was just, it's just a really fun way to be creative with people and mm-hmm. bring an image I have in my head to life in a, a really cool, tangible way. That's yeah. so cool. You guys seriously need to check out her Instagram. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, okay, so I looked it up. Wait, pause. It's Effie Trinket. That's the name of the lady with the poofy hair on the. Uh, oh games, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. I don't know where I came oh, up with yes. that. Oh <laughs> We're I, really, really struggling with our pop culture references today. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my question is, um, so what do you what do you like about working for yourself? Why, why do you think you like that and, and what are its advantages? I, my primary, um, the thing that I really value is having freedom of my schedule. Uh, I don't, I've never had an office job where I go into an office every day and sit at a desk nine to five, uh, but I think it would kill me. <laughs> I really value being able to get up and move a lot and be active. And so finding a job that allows me to do that is super important. And then with being a subcontractor, my schedule is my own. I don't get vacation time, which is a real bummer. I've never had vacation time in my life. It sounds like a big luxury. But on the flip side, if I don't want to go to work on Monday, I just block off my schedule and I can do whatever I want. If I want to pause in the middle of the day and go meet up with my dad and have lunch with him, I can do that. So the freedom is super important to me. That is awesome. So what would you call yourself then? A freelancer or subcontractor or business owner? What would you label yourself as? I think freelancer or subcontractor. I think they're a little bit interchangeable. Freelancer because I I do a variety of photography, but I'm a subcontractor for the real estate portion, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) So what else have you learned that you wouldn't want anyone else to repeat? Do you have any of those (laughs) moments? Let's see. Um, I, I tried for a really long time to edit my photos using free programs online. Like, I don't think they exist anymore, but there was PicMonkey and Picnic, uh, and oh I remember though those. yeah though they were nice uh I think for once actually paying for the real deal and getting photoshop really brought my game up a, a big level it was a ginormous learning curve but once I put the time into it it made a really big difference so I would say invest the time and effort into learning a quality tool right away is going to help you look a lot more professional The next question that I'm going to ask is, uh, can you run a photography business from your home? Yes, definitely. Um, For a while, I felt kind of bad that I didn't have a studio space. And every once in a while, someone would want to do a shoot with me, like a boudoir session. And I'd have to um, cordon off a portion of my house when I used to have a, a, a bedroom. But it didn't feel very professional and I didn't really care for it. So now I just kind of don't 
do those types of shoots or an option would be to go rent a space for an afternoon. You could rent studios, you could rent the, if you're doing a boudoir type thing, you could rent a hotel room. Um, but otherwise I just stick to doing shoots outside and then I obviously can edit and process photos from my home or at a coffee shop or at a library. So it's, I think it's the perfect business to do out of your house. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like this is a good, good position to be in for quarantine too. Like Becca, Becca was talking about earlier, how like there's just not that many fun things you can do right now mm -hmm. and so like just doing like fun makeup and stuff and taking pictures of a family that just sounds so exciting and like I mean there's seven kids in our family so doing makeup for everybody would be it would be quite the feat you should really be on <laughs> some sort of award show or something if you were able to wrangle everybody and <laughs> do makeup for everyone in our family that would be that would be quite a that would be quite a lot <laughs> yeah um okay but let's talk a little bit more about the logistics of your photography business do you have to have a license to do this or is it just kind of like you can pick it up and go someday you can pick up and go with photography if you're going to have a website obviously you have to register the name and purchase a domain um if uh and then to have a fly your drone commercially, then you need a license for that. But I don't believe you need anything special to just take photos of people. Okay. Not that I've been told of anyway. <laughs> mm, okay. So is it easy to run a photography business and a videography business together? Or do you personally think that these are two separate things because they're different skill sets? I think you could. I don't do a ton of video other than with the drone work. I, I've started dabbling in more video with the real estate side of things. Um, so I think that they could pair together. You'll need some different equipment. Like I just picked up a, a gimbal. Uh, but other than that, I think you could probably do both pretty easily. What is a gimbal? <laughs> a gimbal is a, well, it kind of looks like a stick with two different uh, arms on it that kind of counteract the balance of each other. So that when you put your camera on it, it, it acts like a, you know if you a gyroscope like helps keep things still mm -hmm. that it kind of does the same thing for your camera so that you can move around without it looking jerky hmm, handy that seems mm -hmm. like really <laughs> very very convenient <laughs> so my question is when you do the real estate photos are what what kind of processes did you put in place to make that go faster or streamline that for you so that it's it's I mean, obviously, once you start doing it, you get better at it. But what are the kind of things that you learned that have really made it more effective for you? Uh, if you have a quality mobile hotspot, that can be something that's really helpful because then you mm -hmm. can upload your photos while in between jobs while they're driving around. I don't have a fast enough hotspot. So before COVID happened, I would stop at libraries a lot to process my work in between houses. But I also got a... Um, a plug-in for my car so I can plug my laptop in and keep it charged so that I can edit photos. Sorry, let me back up. <laughs> um, I use my laptop a lot while I'm in the car. And one of the things that I have to do, because I, for the real estate, I do HDR photography, which takes five different exposures of the photo, the home and then merges them together. And so there's another program called Photomatics that runs that process. And so it's a lot of time saving if I process those photos while I'm driving. So I purchased something that I can plug my laptop into my car so that I can keep that charging while I'm driving around. 
And then if I stop at a coffee shop or a library, I can upload those to the Dropbox for the editors, and that just helps things move along a lot more quickly. Okay, so when you say photomatics, is that like mm -hmm. just a photo for real estate photography, or what does that word mean? <laughs> it's a program. It's a program for merging HDR photos. So I think if you were like, I know a lot of landscape photographers do HDR as well, um, but it's very popular for real estate photographers because most of us either use a flash indoors or we do HDR photos. Cool. Wow. So if you just met somebody, maybe you were saying, you know, like I started at 16 getting to know this kind of stuff, like anybody who's just starting, what would you recommend to them starting out? This is what I learned. This is what I would have changed or definitely do these things. Or if there's any other resources you would recommend them check out. If it's like, fashion or editorial or conceptual photography that the person is interested in, I would tell them to watch so many YouTube tutorials. And one of my favorite, my favorite people is uh, um, a YouTube channel called Flern, P-H-L-E-A-R-N. And they have so many good editing tutorials with Lightroom as well as Photoshop that has, oh, I've learned so much stuff from it. Um, and then also just getting around other photographers and models so that you can watch other people work, um, learn about you know how, how to pose people, how to adjust the settings on your camera. I, once I joined that photography group that was just a bunch of people hanging out for fun, I learned so much. My photography got 10 times better, I think, after I watched them work. And you just found these people on Facebook or how did you find this group? There are quite a few groups on Facebook and I, or, you know, there's like meetup.com websites and stuff, but I'm pretty sure I was trying to remember earlier today. I think I met the main person who headed off the group that I was a part of. I'm pretty sure I met her at a dog park oh. or <laughs> someone at the dog park told me, they're like, Oh, you're a photographer. You need to talk to this person who's also a photographer. And I friended them on Facebook and then they had this meetup and I didn't know anyone and I just went and it was a great time. <laughs> bold, bold move. Yes. I was so intimidated. Very outside of my comfort zone. Way to be though. That's awesome. That's really cool networking strategy. Just throw yourself out there. <laughs> In a safe way of a public environment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. Absolutely. Yeah. Strategic and bold. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to transition into the Sister Gawk portion of our episode. So thank you so much for talking with us about your, your passion. Um, and we're going to talk about just some mispronunciations. So um, go ahead and take it away, Alex. <laughs> so, well, I'll start with this. Oftentimes when I show up at someone's house, they open the door and they're like, Oh, Alex, I was expecting a guy. And I'm like, no, it's me. I, I'm, I'm a girl. And they're like, oh, okay. So that's half of it. The other half is if I introduce myself, they're like, oh, Alice or Allison. And so I've started keeping a tally of all the mispronunciations or mishearing people have of my name. Hmm. And so far I have, Alice is definitely the most common one. Yeah. So I've got Allison, Alec, uh, Amy, and the most recent one and my favorite is Valerie. 
make I think any sense. <laughs> people, people often mispronounce my name too, which my favorite one is Bruce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. very nice, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was funny that you've been keeping this tally of mispronunciations because when I write the um, the subtitles for all of our episodes on YouTube, I keep um, a running tally of all the mispronunciations, like the closed caption that YouTube produces. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to just cruise through these right here and <laughs> read them off. My favorite one. Oh, I'll save it to last. Okay. Um, so the first one is welcome to business talk, sister cough or sister, ah. <laughs> sister guac or <laughs> business talk, Mr. Doctor. I don't know how that happened. Um, or no, no, no from Mr. Doctor. That's what it was. Mm. And then talk sister gotcha, <laughs> talk sister hook, talk sister gawk with G-O-K. So that's not that, you know, talk sister got, talk sister guck, and then doc and grog. And then this one, it's just a bracket with a, with a line underneath it and another bracket. So they were just like, I do not know what to go here. <laughs> and my favorite one that I still, whenever I think about it, I just laugh so hard. And I really probably shouldn't laugh this hard, but I just think it's so funny. It's welcome to business taxes, Turkic. <laughs> Spelled taxes, yeah. Spelled T U R K I C. And like, what? What is it, Turkic? And yeah. um, So those are our mispronunciations for the week. (laughs) Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. We have enjoyed having you. And if you guys want to follow her, definitely check out. Or that's original.net. And we'll see you guys next week.